appointed global community potentate, G.C. Palace, New Babylon. Leon Fortunato, early fifties, Carpathia's right hand, supreme commander, G.C. Palace, New Babylon. Peter Matthews, late forties, former cardinal, Cincinnati Archdiocese, self-appointed Pontifex Maximus Peter II, head of Enigma Babylon One World Faith. Temple Palace, New Babylon. The Undecided. Hattie Durham, 30, former flight attendant, pan-continental, former personal assistant to Nikolai Carpathia, safe house. Dr. Chaim Rosenzweig, late 60s, Israeli botanist and statesman, discoverer of a formula that made Israeli deserts bloom, former Global Weekly Man of the Year, Jerusalem. Prologue from Apollyon A vast network of house churches had sprung up, seemingly spontaneously, with converted Jews, clearly part of the 144,000 witnesses, taking leadership positions. They taught their charges daily, based on the cyberspace sermons and lessons from the prolific Zion ben Judah. Tens of thousands of such clandestine local house churches, their very existence flying in the face of the all-inclusive enigma Babylon one-world faith, saw courageous converts added to the church every day. Buck Williams had long been anonymously broadcasting his own cyberspace magazine, The Truth, which would now be his sole writing outlet. Ironically, it attracted ten times the largest reading audience he had ever enjoyed as senior staff writer for Global Community Weekly. He worried for his safety, of course, but more for his wife, Chloe's. Nikolai Carpathia's litany of achievements ranged from the rebuilding of cities and roads and airports to the nearly miraculous reconstruction of New Babylon into the most magnificent city ever built. It is a masterpiece I hope you will visit as soon as you can. His cellular solar satellite system, CellSol, allowed everyone access to each other by phone and Internet, regardless of time or location. All this merely ushered in the superstructure necessary for Nikolai to rule the world. The day would come when the sign of the cross on the forehead would have to say everything between tribulation saints. Even pointing up would draw the attention of enemy forces. The problem was the day would also come when the other side would have its own mark, and it would be visible to all. In fact, according to the Bible, those who didn't bear this mark of the beast wouldn't be able to buy or sell. The great network of saints would then have to develop its own underground market to stay alive. Global Community Supreme Commander Leon Fortunato introduced His Excellency Potentate Nikolai Carpathia to the international television audience. Zion ben Judah had warned Rayford that Nikolai's supernatural abilities would be trumpeted and even exaggerated, laying a foundation for when he would declare himself God during the second half of the tribulation. Raucous laughter or silliness just didn't have a place in the lives of the tribulation force. 
Grief was wearying, Rayford thought. He looked forward to the day when God would wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there would be no more war. I feel such compassion for you, Zion told Hattie. Such a longing for you to come to Jesus. And suddenly, he could not continue. Hattie raised her eyebrows, staring at him. Forgive me, he managed in a whisper, taking a sip of water and collecting himself. He continued through tears. Somehow God has allowed me to see you through his eyes. A scared, angry, shaken young woman who has been used and abandoned by many in her life. He loves you with a perfect love. Jesus once looked upon his audience and said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Miss Durham, you know the truth. I have heard you say so, and yet you are not willing. I look at your fragile beauty and see what life has done to you, and I long for your peace. I think of what you could do for the kingdom during these perilous times, and I am jealous to have you as part of our family. I fear you're risking your life by holding out on God and I do not look forward to how you might suffer before he reaches you. Rayford's life as an accomplished commercial pilot seems eons ago now. It was hard to comprehend that it had been fewer than three years since he was just a suburban husband and father, and none too good a one, with nothing more to worry about than where and when he was flying next. Rayford couldn't complain of having had nothing important to occupy his time, but the cost of getting to this point. He could empathize with Zion. If the tribulation was hard on a regular Joe like Rayford, he couldn't imagine what it must be like for one call to rally the 144,000 witnesses and teach maybe a billion other new souls. Buck loved talking with Zion. They had been through so much together. It hit him that he was whining about his wife's complicated pregnancy to a man whose wife and children had been murdered. Yet somehow Zion had the capacity for wisdom and clear thinking and had a calming effect on people. So Trumpet Judgment 6 is next, Buck said. What do you expect there? Zion sighed. The bottom line, Cameron, is an army of two hundred million horsemen who will slay a third of the world's population. Buck was speechless. He had read of the prophecy, but he had never boiled it down to its essence. Whatever we have suffered, Zion continued, whatever ugliness we have faced, all will pale in comparison to this worse judgment yet. And the ones after this get even worse? Hard to imagine, isn't it? 
Only one-fourth of the people left behind at the rapture will survive until the glorious appearing, Cameron. I am not afraid of death, but I pray every day that God will allow me the privilege of seeing him return to the earth to set up his kingdom. If he takes me before that, I will be reunited with my family and other loved ones. But, oh, the joy of being here when Jesus arrives. One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. Then the sixth angel sounded. And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels, who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year, were released. Revelation chapter 9 Verses 12 through 15. Chapter 1 Rage. No other word described it. Rayford knew he had much to be thankful for. Neither Irene, his wife of twenty-one years, nor Amanda, his wife of fewer than three months, had to suffer this world any longer. Ramy was in heaven, too. Chloe and baby Kenny were healthy. That should be enough. Yet the cliché consumed came to life for Rayford. He stormed out of the safe house in the middle of a crisp May Monday morning, eschewing a jacket and glad of it. It wasn't anyone in the safe house who had set him off. Hattie had been her typical self, whining about her immobility while building her strength. You don't think I'll do it, she had told him as she raced through another set of sit-ups. You way underestimate me. I don't doubt you're crazy enough to try. But you wouldn't fly me over there for any price. Not on your life. Rayford stumbled along a path near a row of trees that separated a dusty field from what was left of the safe house and the piles of what had once been neighboring homes. He stopped and scanned the horizon. Anger was one thing, stupidity another. There was no sense giving away their position just for a moment of fresh air. He saw nothing and no one, but still he stayed closer to the trees than to the plain. What a difference a year and a half made. This whole area for miles had once been sprawling suburbia. Now it was earthquake rubble, abandoned to the fugitive and the destitute. One Rayford had been for months, the other he was fast becoming. The murderous fury threatened to devour him. His rational, scientific mind fought his passion. He knew others, yes, including Hattie, who had as much or more motive. Yet Rayford pleaded with God to appoint him. He wanted to be the one to do the deed. He believed it his destiny. Rayford shook his head and leaned against a tree, letting the bark scratch his back. 
Where was the aroma of newly mown grass, the sounds of kids playing in the yard? Nothing was as it once was. He closed his eyes and ran over the plan one more time. Steal into the Middle East in disguise. Put himself in the right place at the precise time. Be God's weapon, the instrument of death. Murder, Nikolai Carpathia. David Hasid assigned himself to accompany the global community helicopter that would take delivery of a gross of computers for the potentate's palace. Half the GC personnel in his department were to spend the next several weeks ferreting out the location of Zion ben Judah's daily cyberspace teaching and Buck Williams's weekly internet magazine. The potentate himself wanted to know how quickly the computers could be installed. Figure half a day to unload, reload, and truck them here from the airport, David had told him. Then unload again and assume another couple of days for installation and setup. Carpathia had begun snapping his fingers as soon as half a day rolled off David's tongue. Faster, he said. How can we steal some hours? It would be costly, but you could... Cost is not my priority, Mr. Hasid. Speed, speed! Chopper could snag the whole load and set him down outside the freight entrance. That, Carpathia said. Yes, that. I'd want to personally supervise pickup and delivery. Carpathia was on to something else, dismissing David with a wave. Of course, whatever. David called Mac McCollum on his secure phone. It worked he said. When do we fly? As late as possible. This has to look like a mistake. Mac chuckled. Did you get him to deliver to the wrong airstrip? Course. Told him one, paperworked him another. They'll go by what they heard. I'll protect myself from Abbott and Costello with the paperwork. Fortunato still looking over your shoulder? Always. But neither he nor Nikolai suspects. They love you too, Mac. Don't I know it. We've got to ride this train as far as it'll take us. Rayford didn't dare discuss his feelings with Zion. The rabbi was busy enough, and Rayford knew what he would say. God has his plan. Let him carry it out. But what would be wrong with Rayford's helping? He was willing. He could get it done. If it cost him his life, so what? He'd reunite with loved ones, and more would join him later. Rayford knew it was crazy. He had never been...